Hello, everybody. Hello, family. This is Pat. Welcome back to the Sons of Saturday. It is Sunday, December 20th. We're one day away from the shortest day of the year here. We got Billy Ray. We got Grayson. Grayson, East Coast Grayson. Let's go. here, And uh, we're going to talk about all that has gone down over this last week or so of, I don't know if I want to call it chaos, trauma, just, you know, Every People day think we're like just... ducking it. People thought we were out here like just ducking it, not going to address it, not going to talk about it. Look, we did some skiing. Um, I don't know, spent some time with the fam. Jackson's home. Had to had to enjoy. We weren't ducking it. We were going to talk about it. Come on, guys. Who said we were ducking? I got. I saw a couple uh, tweets. I, I, I saw Where's the podcast? Where are you guys not going to address what's going on? No, we're yeah, going to address. I saw, it, I saw some tweets. I'm with you, Bill. I also just had the worst voice crack of I think the entire year. Uh, so <laughs> need to get it together over here. So, uh, yeah, we're going to talk about this last week or so. Every single day was a new surprise, it seemed like. And uh, But before we do that, we want to break it down here and give a shout out to our friends at the Main Street Pharmacy in Blacksburg, Virginia, arguably. You know, here's the thing. If there's a college football playoff, we, we, you know, we just did the selection earlier today. And everyone knows it's Bama, Ohio State, Clemson, Notre Dame. If there was a college football playoff, but it was – Plot twist, pharmacies edition. Main Street Pharmacy gets that number one seed 10 times out of 10 because of their friendly staff, their strength of scat, their strength of staff, kind of like the strength of schedule. Uh, They are an incredible organization that cares about Virginia Tech, cares about Blacksburg, cares about students in Virginia Tech, uh, in the Blacksburg community. Head on down, tell them the sun sent you, give Jeremy a elbow bump or a socially distant wave. And uh, check out the Sons of Saturday gear they got there. T-shirts, flags, and uh, get your prescriptions done down there. Main Street Pharmacy, Blacksburg, Virginia. The best pharmacy in the Commonwealth. We got a Hokey Haiku submitted from Go Hokies 1127. Here we go. Where do we go now? Is Hokey football over? Or just beginning? Solid Haiku. We're at a crossroads. It's good we are question. at a crossroads. Uh, the football program is definitely at a crossroads, and uh, we're going to have to see our way out of here. But first, we just got to give a couple quick shout-outs. Bill, I know you wanted to to give some uh, some quick around Merriman, merry-go-round around Merriman here uh, with the basketball updates. Yeah. First and foremost, happy birthday, Coach Kenny Brooks. Another year older. Um, Coach Brooks, we love you. Huge, uh, huge fan. This is a This is a – this is a Virginia Tech women's basketball, pro Virginia Tech women's basketball podcast. Um, they've been great this year. Hit their first bump in the road uh, this season, went to Notre Dame. But the ladies are rolling and are on the on the road to have a great season. Elizabeth Kitley's been dominating um, and just been a ton of fun to watch. Uh, other than that, basketball team absolutely murked. Coppin State. I don't know where Coppin State is. I don't know what Coppin State is, but they should not schedule Virginia Tech again. Uh, we hit 23 pointers. We had eight different players, bang, knocking them down from downtown. It was a fun game to watch, I suppose. I'm not even going to flex. I didn't watch it, but we won by a lot of points. I got the Bleacher Report uh, memo and we won. Uh, saw our guy Joe Bam knock down a three. It was great. What do you got, Grayson? I was going to say, dude, Joe Bam and Darius Maddox. New kids on the block knocking down three balls. I think Maddox had three three pointers yesterday. Kids got a nice stroke, and Jalen Cohn 
star of the day, bar none, hands down. He that kid's release. He reminds me of Ray Allen. Bill, you'd appreciate that. The mm-hmm. former Boston Celtic. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I'm excited about both the Lady Hokies and the men's basketball team. I I'm, I really love the direction both of those programs are headed in. On the Ray, sticking with the Ray Allen comp, Jalen Cohn had a great great opportunity to throw it down and did the Ray Allen special. Wide open, nobody in the way. Just give it a nice little finger roll. Would be Sabidi has some words for that. Would love to see him flush it, but at the same standpoint, I'll take the points. I'll take the points. I'll take the points. Um, okay, this is not scripted. This is just we're just going to talk about these press conferences that happened this week. Um, about a week ago, we uh, about six, five or six days ago, we had a first and foremost. Let's start with this. We're gonna start with we're gonna start with my wish list and me being Bill is gonna enter critical land. I know I don't venture over into critical land a lot, but I'm gonna venture over into critical land. Going into the uh, Mr. Babcock presser, I knew we were keeping Foo. I knew we were keeping Foo, and I was pretty sure we were gonna keep Coach Corn. But I still had a wish list. This is what I wanted to say, and I'd love to hear what y'all's wish list was. If you're keeping Foo, you absolutely need to convince others that you are confident in this decision yourself. You need to get up there and be like, look, here's what we're doing. Here's why we're doing it. And that's what we're doing. Okay. I needed a roadmap for success, whether that's specific changes within the staff, things that you're going to focus on. I wanted to kind of understand the direction that we were moving in. I wanted honesty and openness. Just we hadn't heard from uh, Mr. Babcock in a long time. We really haven't heard from anybody in a very long time except for Coach Fuente. I just wanted to sit down, pour a glass of hot chocolate, and kind of just talk about Virginia Tech football. Look, what's going on? What, 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 what's, what's, what's the word here? Um, and just avoid blunders at all costs. I don't need a blunder. I don't need you know things for people to freak out about. You're going to make a decision. Let's just run it. Does that, does that cover kind of y'all's wish list? Did I miss anything? When you guys heard, okay, we're going to hear from our athletic director on Tuesday, here's what I want to hear. Did any of you all have any other kind of checklist things that you wanted to hear? For me, uh, I had a list written down of my wish list beforehand, and I wanted recruiting help. I wanted I wanted Mr. Babcock to get up there and, and, uh, and say, hey, we understand that our recruiting class in 2020 was poor, you know? ranked in the seventies and the worst power five recruiting class. Hey, you know, signing days on Wednesday. And then we have a couple classes coming in the next few years, 2022, 2023. How are we preparing? How are we mending relationships around the state? Uh, That was something I wanted to know as well. And then I also kind of, and this is a wish list. Again, this is a wish list. So it could be a little extreme, but I want some type of statement about the PR getting better you know, or some acknowledgement of how to have better PR because they set themselves up for failure initially by just having this 24 hour window with Babcock will be speaking tomorrow about the foot or about the future of the football program, about the future of tech football. How vague can you get? It looks like it wasn't real. Did anyone else feel that way? Like when you saw that statement put out, it didn't seem legitimate and that's That's a problem. What what I don't what I what I didn't understand, um, and you know, I said it was going to be critical. Bill, this can't ha- like this. This just absolutely can't happen. Like ninety nine percent of the damage that happens 
in PR is avoidable. And it's just, it happens over and over and over again. Um, you put yourself in a position where, first of all, you're not breaking the news that you're moving forward with your coach. That gets out and brought to brought forward by the national media. And then also the quote that we'll talk about a little bit later was first presented to everybody by the national media. Pat, the one thing that I'll say, I completely agree with you. I think that we need to definitely talk about a strategy for recruiting Virginia better, but he's not going to get up there and say, hey, look, these 20 kids that we signed last year were ranked really low and we're kind of bummed out about it. But I, I would have loved to hear a little, hey, here's how we've compared. And we did this with, with Yetzi when he came on the podcast. Here's how we've compared in terms of how much staff and resources we have allocated towards recruiting. And here's where we need to be. And here's how we're going to get there. Um, yeah. I would have and loved that, to have seen that. that. Yeah, that's more so what I wanted as far as like, here's where we were at this point last year. As far as look at the recruiting department, we've mm-hmm. added four members to the staff over the past 12 months. Um mm-hmm. You know, Alex White and Jaron Gavero Winslow and Corey Fuller. I guess we've added three, three, three members of the staff, um, which is still growth, but we we still need more. We're still in the single digits in recruiting. So I, I just I just wish there was a little bit more of uh, emphasis put on there's power in numbers in that department. Grayson. Before we, we get into the actual context of what uh, Mr. Babcock talked about, I have a I have a question. Why was this press conference not live. Why, why was this press conference not available to everybody to at least watch? Obviously, obviously the reporters are going to be the ones in there asking the questions. It's their job to do that. But what's the, you know, Mr. Babcock comes on and he talks about how uh, people are taking me out of context. When Mike Barber from the Richmond Times Dispatch asks him a question, you know how you avoid that? When when people can hear that question answered as it is being answered, not an hour or two hours later. I just I don't understand when you do that. It's a little suspect. It's a little sketch because then it's like, oh, are they, are they editing this press conference? Is there something that they don't want us to hear? I just, I don't understand. Why is the press conference not available for everyone? We ask this question amongst ourselves all the time with what we do. I don't see the net negative of having it live. I just don't because the media is going to put out, if you get on there and you say something ridiculous, they're going to put it out there. If you say something that's kind of in the middle of the road, they're going to put it out there with whatever slant they want to have. Um, Whereas in reality, Everybody kind of wants to see it. And the one thing, you know, the big, I'll say this. I'm going to go down my checklist really quickly. I thought he was really honest. I thought he got up there for whatever it was. He got up there and he spoke very candidly about a bunch of different subjects. Some of the answers I did not love. Some of the answers I was okay with. And some of the answers I did like. As far as the roadmap for success, he didn't really go into specifics as much as I would have liked Um, but I know a lot of that has to do with the financials not being finalized, um, in terms of the money being raised that we're going to use, but he did talk about, and I really appreciated this. He talked about how we're not financially supporting football as much as we should, should be as much as these other top programs are. And we have a plan that's in place. He didn't go into the specifics of the plan, but to be top three in the ACC, 
that would be a significant development uh, and would be huge if we're able to do that. I don't care who the head coach of this program is getting Virginia tech football funded where it needs to be so that our funding matches the expectations that the fan base has is one of the first steps into getting to where we need to be. And, and, and Bill real quick, Witt talks about that in the mm. press conference. He talks about this grandiose plan to turn this thing around. That's okay. That's awesome. He acknowledges it. He mm. acknowledges that something needs to be done. He says, and I quote, I've met with Justin yesterday prior to the press conference. Okay. You don't have to have all the numbers in place. What did you talk about? Give us at least some broad outline. I'd love to know. It doesn't have to be nitty gritty by the 0. 0.0000 details, but what does it look like? What are the optics? What is the timeline? You know, what, what do we want the budget to look like? I feel like as the fans, as the people who support and donate, we should be allowed to know what areas, at least areas of focused. Yeah. At least the areas that are most, that are most focused on. And what was great, what, which, which I appreciated as well is we came forward and we said, look, this season did not live up to expectations. It wasn't a, at least I didn't take it. Correct me if I'm wrong. I didn't take it as an excuse fest. I really didn't. Um, I thought he got up there and was very honest about the fact that we have not met expectations and the football program is not where it needs to be. Um, again, I said, I thought that he was very honest about everything. And then the blunders look the quote while accurate about, um, folks that have words with the program, not donating, donating a lot while that's usually true. It's just not, it's, it's, it's not a good thing to say. It's, it's, it, it is a abhorrent thing to say. Um, and we'll go over this later, did a good job making up for it, but especially when you're not doing this live and people aren't able to listen to the context, the question or anything else, or how your your what your conversation is like in general, this is obviously when you leave the press conference, you're going to have a million tweet, Twitter notifications and people are going to be losing their minds. Pat, kind of what did you, what was your first knee jerk reaction after reading about this and seeing it? We all watched it. Um, so where were you kind of at after that? Are you asking specifically about the donor thing? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I mean, as far as that goes, there's never there's never a situation where you want to alienate anyone. Not a single person. One donation. I mean, I mean, Michael Bloomberg donated five dollars to to Johns Hopkins in 1965 when he graduated, and you know now we go down the line. What 50 years later, Michael Bloomberg has made a a billion dollar donation to Johns Hopkins University. You can't alienate anyone. You know, um, little Johnny Smith, who's going to graduate from Virginia Tech in 2021, might have heard that and said, you know, could say, I don't want to join the hockey club uh, because my five, my twenty five dollars doesn't matter. And you know, Johnny Smith goes on and does something really cool and makes a lot of money one day, and he'll say, I don't know, I, I didn't really, I wasn't valuable. What, back then why am i going to be valuable in 25 years or what have you um you can't you can't do that and obviously we know we know that's not what the intent was um but you know definitely was a a blunder that you know was taken advantage of and was uh you know kind of able to have been spun the wrong way a couple other things that um that i kind of had you know was scratching my head a little bit about um one the walls around the program you know, just because access as far as like, for example, for Wit and for Coach Fuente to to kind of come out and not understand the whole argument against access 
and say, you know, like I'm there on fan day. I love interacting with the fans on fan day, but you know, there's 364 other days of the year and people want to know what's going on. Um, you know, other than if, if they're jumping on a podcast with us, that's awesome. We love that. Um, but beyond that, like Justin Hamilton should not be put in front of the media for the first time, I think it was 11 months, 10 months, 11 months since being promoted to defensive coordinator. He, he didn't, he didn't face the media for almost a year unless, unless that's a wrong figure, but I'm, I, we need to see that guy in front of the media every single week uh, because people complain about Fuente's deficiencies at the podium why are we not trotting out Justin Hamilton every single week? I mean, that guy can sell ice to an Eskimo. So like the whole like walls around the program, there are ways to get access to the program. Let's put out J-Ham, you know? Um, but, you know, kind of along the lines of coordinators there, uh, the humanization of Brad Cornelson. I, I don't know how I felt about that. I don't think putting Coach Corn in front of the media and having him you know, answer questions and, and try to humanize him. I don't think that's going to solve really anything. Uh, that is not going to be the 2021 Turkey bacon that was thrown out last year. Uh, I saw that on, on Twitter, a few spots and I was like, this is definitely a, a super fair analogy and a super fair comparison, you know, because Brad Cornelson is in front of the media and, and he can talk like another human being is not going to make him call a better play on third down. It's not. By acknowledging, by acknowledging that there is, has been a problem humanizing Brad Cornelson, that 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 changes the perception of our athletic department. You know, it's not very confidence inspiring. To me, that raises more concerns that go beyond football. It's not just a football thing at that point. And I just, how does that inspire confidence? Oh yeah, our our OC who never speaks to the media, we're going to put him out there more to, to, to make you guys happy. Acknowledging that in a, in, in a press conference is just like, that's P I just don't understand the public relation strategy there. I don't, I don't get I would that. have really, I think this is how I viewed it. Um, and I'm going to get into kind of Mr. Uh, Mr. Coach Cornelson's time at, uh, at Virginia tech in a little bit. Uh, what I took from it is I think regardless of how we were performing, it would have been beneficial to hear from him some of the decisions that he was making in certain play calling instances. I'm not saying that we would have won more games because of it, but it's frustrating when uh, it doesn't really frustrate me. But as a fan base, it frustrated people when you lose to Pittsburgh and you don't hear from your offensive coordinator. You don't hear from your defensive coordinator. We lose to Miami, and there are a couple of things that don't go our way, or we got a little conservative in the second half. You don't hear from the offensive coordinator on why that's happening. So I think those are one of the walls that we're definitely kind of people were kind of prodding at is like, hey, look, like after these games, we would love to be able to ask some questions to your coordinators about why they did X or what are we struggling with or what is the reason that we went with this formation or whatever. Uh, I think that would have been really helpful and hopefully is something um, that we do here uh, that we do here moving forward. Um, before we get into the tweet post uh, uh, with Babcock's press conference, do we have any closing thoughts on the athletic director's press conference at all? Just one quick thing. 
it's been all over the internet, you know, in, in articles, but we've been thinking it. And to be quite honest with you guys, um, you know, on Sunday night, I, I wasn't thinking, you know, I was surprised that um, we would be keeping coach Fuente. Like I was definitely surprised about that after all the rumors and you can't, you can take every rumor with a a grain of salt, but from what I was hearing, that's, that's what I was thinking was going to happen. Um, so Wit really tied his legacy at Virginia Tech with this press conference and with this decision to keep Coach Fuente. Um, that, you know, this is his guy, and he was clear with that. But the, the press conference definitely kind of gave you the the room or an open door of uncertainty. Just like with the line I'm reading right here from the transcript, um, you know, he says, "Will this." decision be right i have no earthly idea i think it will i believe it will um you know we all left on tuesday i guess uh it was on tuesday right mm-hmm. after which thing on tuesday we were all just like okay coach food tomorrow better be good and the coordinators better be good um because you know we've had two pretty uh pretty crappy days back to back and that's what I really, I'll say this. I, I did appreciate, it was significant that he tied his, like everything that he said for the things that were not as great, he fully blown, I think as best you can, tied his reputation to the success of Coach Fuente at Virginia Tech. Um, so I do think the honesty was there. I do think the support was there. The transparency about, hey, we need to be better. We're going to be better. Um, I would have loved to hear more how, but at least recognizing that this is not where it needs to be. I, I really appreciate it. Grayson. Yeah. I got to tell you, Mr. Babcock's got guts, man, to tie, to tie his legacy to this decision because I have never prior to this press conference, I've never seen anyone call for Whit Babcock's head and say, and the, 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 I saw it on the TL. People are like, oh my gosh, he's got to go too. He's got to go too. And all, all I can think is, is, you know, I personally believe in Whit Babcock. I always have. Uh, but he needs to understand that if you do this, and this is the decision that you've made, and this is your guy, people are going to start pointing to you too and saying, calling your name in the question. So, you got to be ready for that. Anyone who is in a position of power like that has to be ready for that. And that scrutiny when a tough decision is made like this. Uh, so I'm just at this place now where I have agreed with every decision that Whit Babcock has made since his time at Virginia Tech. This one, I hope he's right. I just hope he's right. And that's all I'm going to say. I think everybody can everybody can agree on that. Everybody at least is hoping uh, that we're right here. But uh, this is the part that I appreciated more than anything, and we'll get to it in just a second. We always talk about how Virginia Tech is home. We talk about it. This is home. This is home. Well, unfortunately, you can't sleep at the pylons. You can't set up camp in War Memorial. You can't set up camp under Torg Bridge. It's going to get cold. It snowed in Blacksburg the other day. 
If you're looking for a place to actually call home, to go to Walmart and buy a welcome mat and hang it out in front, put a Sons of Saturday sticker and slap it on your front door, get a Sons of Saturday flag, put it on your wall. Just a place to walk in and call home, kick the shoes off, hopefully make your bed in the morning if you're a responsible young adult. Head on down to the hub in Blacksburg. Like we said, you would be the first person to call this place home. It is state of the art. It is gorgeous. It is everything you could ever want from student housing. Check them out. The Hub in Blacksburg coming to Blacksburg in 2021. Now, I always talk about hashtag growth. Hashtag, look, everybody makes mistakes. Everybody does things wrong. Everybody has boo-boos. But what are you going to do about it? You're going to own it? Shout out to hashtag my AD. Seriously, I really appreciated Wit coming out and admitting and writing, actually typing up something, explaining how important donors were, what he actually meant in his press conference uh, versus what was actually said, and set up an initiative to donate up to $10,000 to the Hokey Club. I thought it was fantastic. I want to ask you both. What did you think of this move by Whit Babcock and which was your favorite tweet response to his original tweet? Pat, kick us off here. I thought it was a bold move. Um, I definitely thought that there was going to be a lot of people who were going to initially be like, oh, look at him trying to save face. Look at him trying to do this. But as the day go, as the day went on, and just scrolling the timeline and reading all of the positive interactions, what Wit wanted to do with this tweet definitely worked. He had people back on his side. He said, "If you, you know, if you comment a, a positive interaction, I'll donate twenty five dollars in your name to the Hokey Club." And they just kept coming in. They kept coming in and coming in and coming in. There were over a thousand replies, and it made for a lot of fun just to read the replies and see what. These people uh, who are fans of Virginia Tech Athletics, you know, why do they stay involved? Why do they give their time and their resources and their energy and their emotions on every Saturday or every, you know, Tuesday night or whatever, uh, you know, whatever sport they prefer most? I thought it was really cool to see. And, um, you know, this this action by Wit definitely was able to formulate a lot of positive momentum. And I pulled up a few of these tweets uh, two or three of my favorites here. One of them came from Christina Garnett, and she said, I will 100% volunteer my time for any PR and marketing needs the team has. I want this program to be the best in the country. You go to Christina's profile. She's got like 12,500 followers because she's a PR genius. Go talk to Christina Garnett if you're in the athletic department and get her on board. Same thing came from Clark Rowland. Everyone knows Clark as Hokey 20. Uh, the grandfather, I don't know, I don't want to call him the grandfather of Hokie, uh, Hokie history of memorabilia, but he's got all the cool, uh, he, he, he's the ultimate Hokie, Clark is. And he says, I will 100% volunteer my time and energy into the next football uniform redesign. If you'll invite me into this process, let me help you make the next uniform set something special. So just two folks right there. If you can offer time, talent, or treasure, those are two folks right there offering their time and their talent to make Virginia Tech athletics better. Uh, that's Utprosum at its finest. It's what we it's what we need uh, in a time of uh, not so great. And uh, Grayson, what was the last? So yeah, Pat. No, I I know what you're talking about. I uh, 
these, this is something that, that I've thought about. And I was talking to my dad and my little brother about this. You see in the press conferences, coach Hamilton rocking a black hoodie with the lunch pail painted on VT. And then you see coach Mike Young swagged out courtside, his entire staff wearing a black pullover quarter zip vintage TV logo on the left chest. Where's that for sale? Now, listen, I understand that player and coaches only merchandise. That's that's a cool thing. You know, limited runs makes it more coveted, makes something exclusive for those people involved in the program. I have an idea. I have an idea that I want to drop right here, right now. To Mr. Babcock or anyone else involved in the Hokie Club, I say this. What would y'all think about making a, a donation benchmark? Whether that be $500, $750, maybe even 1000 And that gets you access to two pieces of players and coaches only merch every year. Billy Ray and Pat, y'all in on that? I think that'd be dope. I think it's a genius idea. Um, I think, you know, a couple of things, a couple of, of question marks would be where is Nike on allowing them to do something like that? Sure. Um, and just coming up with the right price point. Um, but I definitely think, you know, there are several things. I mean, I know you brought this up before the podcast and basically everybody was saying this, the quarter zip that the basketball coaches were wearing the other night were really awesome. The lunch pail design, uh, stuff that they did before, uh, when Bud announced it was last year. Um, and some of the other awesome stuff, the wind shirts, some of the wind shirts are really awesome, but at the end of the year, if you got like a catalog and you got to pick one or two pieces from across all sports, even the love shirts that they had when they were warming up before the season, um, I thought those were really cool. I wanted to see if you could buy those, but they weren't available. Um, something like that. I think that would be a really awesome initiative that a lot of people uh, would get behind and something we will definitely. Uh, I'm, I'm all in the hockey club. One, um, one, one last thing, you know, yeah, we, we were talking about we were talking about how do we think. Uh, Mr. Babcock handled Twitter. I I think he acknowledged that they didn't handle the press conference probably the right way. And how do you how do you fix that? He gets on Twitter. He puts out a very personal uh, personal printout of things that we can all agree on. I think that that was the the right move. Uh, I think that that was absolutely absolutely the right move. Uh, in terms of my favorite tweet that uh, that he responded to or he acknowledged was my own. And I'm a little biased. I uh, I responded to Mr. Babcock. He he talked about his pledge for $25 per reply up to 10K to the Hokie Club, which he made good on. I said, love that you decided to bring back Stick It In indefinitely. Thanks, Mr. Babcock. <laughs> and, of course, he didn't actually do that. But he responded to me with the pondering emoji, thinking, thinking about it, which I appreciate your sense of humor, wit, and uh, let's talk about it, man. What do we have to do to make that happen? So uh, I'm, I'm glad that he was engaging with fans and, and, and being active on Twitter. Uh, that was very good and refreshing after that press conference. So with that, guys, we'll transition into uh, kind of uh, the, the next day's press conference with, with Coach Fuente and more along the lines of where what do things look like now. Uh, first off, I'll say this. I've been very critical of how all of this has been handled, and I, I stand by that. 
something that was refreshing, though, to see was that Coach Fuente comes out and he – y'all remember how comfortable he was on the podcast? That when he came on and talked to us and just how relaxed he seemed and just joking around and stuff like that. That's how he was in that press conference. But and, – and, and that was so refreshing to see that. Even the body language too. The, the way the way he was sitting and, and just and there was no water bottle. I hate the water bottle. There was the no water, water bottle. bottle. Addressing reporters by their name, uh, calling Mike Barber Mike. And yeah, you know, yeah, it's a great question, Mike, or whatever. My question, guys, though, is why why don't we always see that version of him? Like, why, why? Why where has that been? And I wish we had seen more of that guy. This season, because what I love, for example, maybe comparing apples to oranges, but we always say what we love about Coach Young is he's the guy who's out there shaking hands and kissing babies. Not now because of COVID, but he's that kind of guy, right? And that's the kind of guy Coach Beamer was. And so Fuente, Coach Fu, had that, that aura about him in that press conference. I just don't like that it hasn't always been that way. Just what what changed? Was it the, the conversation that he and Witt had? I don't. I just don't like. It's like you flip a switch and there it is. Uh, Bill and Pat, you guys, you know what? What do you think about that? I really appreciated. I, I mean, he was chipper. He was honest. Um, he answered questions with real, actual, tangible gusto. Um, again, not everybody was going to love with whatever direction we went with all of the decisions and all of the answers that were given, but he gave a ton of time. Uh, and quite frankly, it's probably the best availability we have seen for coach Fuente minus tech talk live and minus coming on here. That is the guy that I know. Um, uh, so yeah, I hope it's a sign of things to come. Um, because I really appreciated that. And I think that winning is obviously the most important thing. And that's the only thing that'll fix it. But this certainly helps from an ops perspective. Um, so I, I really, really appreciated it and thought it was, uh, for as far as the press conference itself, I don't think it could have been more important to come out that way. And I think that he hit a, an absolute home run, uh, in the way that he handled it, Pat. I, I definitely resonate with the the positive uh, feedback and the positive outlook he had and the smiling and the jovialness and the joking and all of that. I mean, it was great. And it was like, where have we, where's this guy been? You know, we haven't seen him, seen this guy since August. Uh, and I understand he has been through the ringer week in and week out, you know, taking 50 or whatever COVID tests and, you know, being on the receiving end of bad news about players being out and what have you. Um, it, it, it's a bummer that we don't get to see that Justin Fuente every single week because people notice when that Justin Fuente is not there because, you know, it's, it's just, uh, it's what I mentioned before, how the, the media struggles have been kind of a detriment when the, program is not getting that much access from the outside world so you know you only get a small sample size of when coach food you know does the little cursed crap thing or um you know just kind of just doesn't look like he wants to be there and unfortunately to the outside world and the outside reality you know that perception is reality 
Um, you know, so we don't know what's going on behind those closed doors. And, um, you know, the coach food that Billy knows, as you just said, is a lot different than the guy getting in front of the podium. Um, but I, I, I really enjoyed it. I really enjoyed it. I think Hamilton was, uh, you know, a home run as well. Phenomenal. Phenomenal. Again, like you said, get that guy in front of the camera and the microphone. Ice, ice to an igloo. Ice to a freaking igloo. Yeah, es- Eskimo, Grayson. Ice to an Eskimo. <laughs> well, same thing. You could sell ice to an igloo. Either or. Either, Either or. or. They both work. <laughs> or a polar bear. There you go. Um, And then, uh, yeah, I mean, Hamilton. Hamilton was at the recruit night in Arlington in January or February, early January or February of 2019. And was just incredible talking about the 2019 class uh, running it up and down and it was like this guy needs to be first of all on the staff and he ended up becoming the safeties coach but then uh we need to get him some face time because people from outside the program who might be recruits are going to see this um moving along though or uh, kind of just giving a a more detailed summary of what i was thinking and what actually happened and grayson you know i think you might agree with me here so tuesday's press conference not great wednesday's press conferences definitely were better but as we collect our thoughts and as we zoom out as i like to always say and reflect on this i still am disappointed grayson and i went into this wanting wanting a few things to be addressed one the future of recruiting what is the upcoming plan to recruit better you know are we going to stay in texas are we going to spend a lot more time in virginia are we going to call up every single 757 and 804 and 703 area code high school coach and say hey my name's justin fuente when can I come down there and hang out with you guys? When can I, when can I meet some of your players? When can I mend this relationship or where can I start this relationship? I don't know what the relationships are looking like between coach Fuente and the state of Virginia. I would have loved to hear some type of Virginia plan. Uh, that's like uh, that's civil war, Virginia plan. I would have loved to hear some type of Virginia plan moving forward uh, as we close down the 2021 cycle and move into 2022 and 2023 and make that our main focus and didn't really get any of that um number two which was kind of addressed former players getting access to the program and former players wanting to be involved in the program we see all over twitter all the time former players voicing their opinions whether it's Derek smith todd washington brendan hill ike charlton antonio banks dwight vick you know they all have laid this foundation for this football program. They, they deserve to um, have these opinions and they can say what they want and they have influence because there's so there's thousands of Hokie fans out there who said, uh, or who, who watched these guys, you know, back in the day and they built our program with their hands uh, under coach Beamer and coach Fuente had acknowledged that Daryl tap is putting together an action plan for former players to get involved Uh, And obviously in a COVID environment, there's no way to actually physically do that. Uh, But I think that having eight former players on this staff, um, let me, let me see if I could run them all, run them all down. Hamilton, Tap, Prelo, Fuller, Guvea Winslow, Jack Tyler, 
I'm missing two. Um, Kyle Chung. Kyle Chung. Grayson. <laughs> uh, I don't remember who the last one is, but Daryl Tapp's putting together some events to get these folks back into the program. That being said, Todd Washington is still going out on Twitter saying that, you know, he's getting the cold shoulder every single time he walks in the building. So there needs to be no doubt at all. You have to leave no doubt here. I do not want to see Todd Washington's tweets on the timeline. You know, there has to be zero doubt that these players are being welcomed in with open arms every single time they speak up or every single time, you know, they want information or anything. Um, I would love to I'm talk not, to Todd Washington. I would love to talk right. to Todd Washington because I agree. There needs to be left zero doubt that players are cared for. And I think, honestly, that's someone you need to hire, that their job is specifically with alumni relations. I love that. Some, I, com, I, I think whether it's Coach Foster's primary job or you bring in someone from, 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 from back in the day, because I've had conversations with former players of my generation, generations before me, and generations way before me. Because uh, anytime I hear stuff like that, I try to get somebody on the phone and talk about it. Um, I would move but, back from Los Angeles to do that job. By the way, with Babcock, if you're listening, I'm available. Let's, what, let's, Grayson, <laughs> when did you play football at Virginia Tech? <laughs> well, well I, 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 did, I didn't play. I didn't play football. But I know enough former players to be like, dude, Chris Ellis is in town. Yes. Come on in, Chris. Let me show you what we got going on. <laughs> Here's what people need to realize. There's a, there's a, there's a, there's a balance between everybody has this expectation of like, man, like I want to go to a game and I, I can't get tickets, bro. If you're not, if you're not Joe Burrow or Odell Beckham and you went to LSU, you're probably not just calling and getting tickets. However, it's something that needs to be ab- left. Absolutely. No doubt. If Mr. Washington, I, seriously, I would love to talk to him. I would love what actually happened. You step, so you step into Merriman and nobody came and saw you, or you're looking for somebody. What exactly does that mean? But the nature of those tweets going out, people reading that, and people seeing that, combined with the fact that there really isn't any outreach or or efforts to reach out to older players, is not a good look. And that's something that we can fix, and something that we absolutely should fix. Yeah, it, it, quite frankly, it's too easy. And I know that's easy for me to say, but these are guys who want to be reached out to. They love Virginia Tech so freaking much. Just read their timeline. They're tuning in every single Saturday, bleeding maroon and orange, getting together with their guys that they played with. And uh, it's just a bummer to see that. Whether it happened or not, I, I just take care of it. Take care of it. Uh, the last thing that really was honestly the biggest thing going into this press conference um, that kind of just left me a little disappointed. We said this after the Liberty game and the Pittsburgh game and the Clemson game after this season, we want to see some changes in personnel. We want to see some guys on the staff who might be underperforming or at least uh, from what it seems like has been the shortfall of our football team. How can we improve the way that it's set up? You know, does does Coach Corn need to be shown the door? Does Coach Williams need to be shown the door because of how our wide receiver depth was the downfall of our entire offense this year? And absolutely no staff changes. Um, which, if you would have told me that, you know, three weeks ago after Clemson, I would have been pretty upset. And I know Grayson, you would have been too. I Pat, you know, I said. I hope Witt is right about keeping Coach Fu and company. 
That doesn't mean I think that he is. Uh, I, I'm not. I'm no more inspired because of Coach Fu being chipper in a in a press conference. Uh, in my opinion, I think it's a PR publicity stunt move to keep things on the up, which I don't buy into it. First off, let me say this: I want to be. I, I, I want to. I want to play the Libra scale here. I see both sides of the argument here. I understand why we're keeping Coach Fu and staff before National Signing Day. That makes sense. You run the risk of losing the entire class that you signed, or at least half of them, if you fire him prior to prior to NSD. But I also understand firing him for a downward trajectory of an on-field performance and on the recruiting trail. The product is sour, which makes the fan base sour. The fan base has every right to be disappointed right now. So this is where I stand. I'm not happy that we retain the bulk of this staff. They've proved to me this season, five and six losses to Liberty and Wake Forest and Pittsburgh got obliterated by Pittsburgh, that they're not the guys for this for this job and this fan base. There's too many walls. There's not enough handshaking and baby kissing, like I said earlier. If anything, like I said, keeping foo, I can maybe, maybe get behind with get behind for one more year. But I'm sorry. We might we might get to bickering here real soon. You've got to get rid of Coach Corn. Give the fans something to be excited about. No change of any kind makes me think that this ship sinks even further in into the proverbial t- sea of tears. Yeah, I mean, I've always, I've long said, um, I'm gonna get, sh- I'm gonna get shredded for this, but I'm gonna say it anyway. I've long said that I'm never going to call for someone's job, um, and I think if. Witt alluded to this. If you're moving forward with a coach, you can't really be in the business of telling them what decisions they are supposed to make and what they need to do with their staff. The fact of the matter is the, the hot seat is about as hot as it can get. The fact of the matter is Witt is tied as his, uh, his future to Coach Fuente. Um, and I'm going to be honest with you, like telling Coach Fuente, hey, you need to fire this guy because you believe you because the fans don't believe in him is a is a pretty stupid proposition for an athletic director to make. The question is not whether it would make people happier or if it would be a good PR move. The question is coach Fuente is our coach and he should have the ability to make the decisions that he wants to make as the head ball coach. Um, Do I love a lot of the things that transpired on offense last year? Absolutely not. Um, There is no reason that anybody on defense should have been shown the door. I know neither of you said that, but some people uh, have talked about needing to move on from coach Hamilton, you know, talking about how he's in over his head. I think he got better as the year went on. I think he and coach tap whenever we're allowed to go in and see these, uh, these high school kids are going to make a huge difference in recruiting. Uh, At least that's the hope. And here's the truth on coach corn, whether you want to keep him or you don't, I think the camp of want to keep him is, probably just me and the staff. But if you are sticking with Coach Fuente and you believe that that is the best course forward, that's what you have to do. I truthfully believe that the majority of the reason people want him out is driven because they want somebody to blame and they want something to look forward to. Winning football games is not directly correlated to the fans being excited that we're moving in the right direction. That has nothing to do with it. That has absolutely nothing to do with it. Hot seat is as hot as it's going to get. Our struggles on offense, in my opinion, 
you want to talk about how we haven't recruited well on offense and we have huge glaring positions where there are issues at quarterback and wide receiver most uh, most prevalently, I'll, I'll have that conversation with you. And that's the thing that goes across the entire staff. Uh, me and David Hale got into a little conversation about this and he was on my side where, look, I understand Virginia Tech fans are upset. I understand that we haven't been great on third down. We also brought in Khalil Herbert, who was the number one all-purpose back in America and had one of the best seasons on offense that we have ever had. And the third down numbers are a direct correlation between the lack of growth that we have seen at the wide receiver position, in my opinion. So you don't have to like Coach Corn. You don't have to like the decision. But at the end of the day, if Coach Fuente is going to lead this team, he should be allowed to have the staff that he would like to have. And if we want to, and if the season goes the way that a lot of people say it will, or it goes the way that you know people are afraid of it going, then there'll be a change. But fan excitement is not what Coach Fuente is hired to create. He's hired to win games, uh, and that's kind of my opinion on it. Two things I want to say off of that. One, Khalil Herbert, you mentioned. If had we not, okay, I guess three things. Um, recruiting is Brad Cornelson not responsible for recruiting? Is he off the hook for recruiting anyone to his offensive personnel? He sure is. He's a part of the. He's a part of the group that makes up of that. Yeah, right. Exactly. Two, it, I'm saying if he doesn't have the guys because he hasn't recruited them, then that if you know A plus B equals C. Um, two. Khalil Herbert, where the hell is this offense this year if we don't have that guy? Where's our defense if we don't have Amari Barno? You can't just pick one guy and say, well, if we don't have this guy, we suck. Where's the 99 team without Michael Vick? You can't just pick the best oh, player and say, don't if we don't you have. Dare. You can't just pick don't the best you player. Dare. You can't just pick the best player on the side of a ball and say, if we don't have him, then we're not good. Like, Michael, Michael Vick played on a team that in pretty much every position was just as good as he. Are they the same team? They're not the same team, but okay. like, I'm not we saying went five I'm, and six. I'm not <laughs> saying I understand I'm, who went five and six. I'm not saying Amari Barno is the only good defensive player because that's not true. And I'm not saying that Khalil Herbert is the only good offensive player, but without Khalil Herbert, we don't win five games. Without Gerard Evans, we don't win 11, we don't win 10 games in 2016. But that was in 2016, that was four years ago. This is now. But, which, but, the, but the point that you're making, you're giving me three points. The recruiting point, I give you 100% completely agree with you. The recruiting is unacceptable. It's unacceptable on both sides of the ball. Agree. That's from the top down. Yep. We both agree on that 110%. Thousand. Your second point was if we don't have Khalil Herbert, we're not as good. Okay. You can't just pick the player who was, by the way, recruited to Virginia Tech and came to Virginia Tech by choice and say, well, if he's not here, we're not as good. Okay, you can go back in history and pick one player on either side of the ball, whether we go six and six or we go 10 and three and say, if we don't have X player, we're not as good. I don't take that as a, you know, if you bring Coach Corn in and you're talking to him about his resume, you're not like Coach Corn, we're going to have to let you go because if Khalil Herbert's not on this team, we suck. Like, <laughs> what? what does that mean? I understand what you're saying. I'm just trying to make the point that Khalil Herbert bailed out this offense the entire year. I think three. that... I, What's your third point? My third point is probably the most important point, and I can't tell Coach Fuente to do this, and Witt can't tell me either, I guess. Coach Fuente dismissed Mook Reynolds off the team and Trayvon Hill off the team and other guys like this. He says, if you're going to make me choose between you and the team, I'm going to choose the team every single time. And Brad Cornelson 
Why are we choosing Brad Cornelson this over the Virginia is, Tech fan base this. and the Virginia Tech football program? But Joe, we they went five and that conversation. Hold on, hold on, we went five on. and six, Billy. Like this is dude, this is a this is a on. this is an this is an asinine an asinine comparison. I'm not comparing them. I'm just saying it's something that he said. And I look at Brad Cornelson, and I don't know, man. I'm just I'm just telling you to think about it. I'm well, not comparing Mook Reynolds to Brad Cornelson. I know you're. I know I'm you're telling not, but, you but, to think about it. I, I'm. I. I am thinking about it. I have thought about it. That's not even close to being the same thing. To to say that his. I. I don't see a direct correlation between his actions and us losing all of these games. The fact of the matter is, people are looking for a fall guy. That's fair. Would I personally have liked to see something change? Maybe. But the fact of the matter is we had a fantastic offense this past year in a year where we had inconsistent play at the quarterback position. We had inconsistent play from the wide receiver position. And we had- How is our offense fantastic if- Look what, at the numbers. We had a top was, thirty offense. In it doesn't. It's not about the numbers. Listen, you the, the, can't no, just listen. always have the numbers back you up. When how about look at these numbers? Five and six. I agree. That is not. That's not the benchmark. And we were pretty clear that that was not the benchmark. I completely agree with you. And Grayson, you're going to hit me with the we're not winning games. I get that. But listen, if you're going to tell listen. me, if you're going to tell me that it's so transparently obvious that if we move away from from coach Cornelson that our football team will be eons better there is nothing that you can bring to the table that will make me that that will make that point okay there's so nothing let's 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 first agree to disagree so first off i agree with you wholeheartedly that the defensive staff all get a pass every single yeah. one of them right i'm actually fired I, up about the defense yeah yeah football, but that's I, the point i agree Let's start with the positive there. I am gassed about Coach Tab, Coach Tierlink, and Coach Ham. That mm. UVA thing, that UVA game, Coach Ham did a great job. Yes. Witt said this in his presser, right? He said, and I quote, we have not given this staff a fair shake, in my opinion, and we are not going to throw the baby out with the bathwater. This is where I stand here. We've given Fuente and his offensive staff and special team staff a fair shake. Just to be crystal and abundantly clear, by the way, a five-year-old kid isn't a baby. A five-year-old kid can walk and speak on its own. <laughs> a five-year-old kid isn't in preschool anymore. It's starting kindergarten. A ergo, starting to compete for ACC championships. A five-year-old kid is capable. We aren't in preschool anymore. But some of this staff is, and listen, Bill, I know you, you say everyone wants a fall guy. Did we, have we ever considered for one second that coach corn just isn't a good offensive coordinator? He can't develop talent at a high level with a full cupboard of it. Guys like Trey Turner, guys like Quincy Patterson, guys like Hendon Hooker. He can't do it. And the offensive play calling is as predictable as LA traffic. You know, it's going to be bad. And you can talk to me about numbers all you want to, but he doesn't produce victories. And that to me is the most important number. What does our record say? I want 13 and 0. You tell me that that number matters to me, not how many rushing yards Khalil Herbert has. So I don't care if Coach Corn if his offense has ten yards of rushing, as long as there a as long as there is a W next to Virginia Tech's name in the record books, that is what I care about. And Coach Corn ain't that guy. I don't uh, I don't agree with that. I think the the I I think this past year towards the end of the season our offense was abysmal. 
I, I agree. I agree with that. We barely scored. Th- we were, were incapable of converting on third and longs. We didn't score as many points as we needed to. Offense last year was good. Uh, you talk about development. Um, Trey Turner's development was hindered or production was more so hindered by him dealing with injuries. We could talk about guys like Silas Zanzi. We can talk about guys like Christian Derrissaw. We can talk about guys like James Mitchell. And again, I'm not trying to make, I'm not trying to quarterback has been inconsistent play. Completely agree. How many have we had? How many have we had in the last five years? I'm agreeing with you. I'm I'm, I'm agreeing. I'm agreeing with you. I'm agreeing with you. It's definitely an issue. The fact of the matter is, you can't draw a here is the reason Virginia Tech is not successful. It's because of Coach Cornelson, especially given the numbers that we put up at the beginning of this season and the numbers that we put up last season. We didn't lose – newsflash, we didn't lose to UVA last year or lose to Kentucky last year or lose to Notre Dame last year because of Coach Cornelson. That's not the reason we lost any of those football games. So – to just come into this season and say, for the last five years, the reason Virginia Tech is underachieving is because of Brad Cornelson is not true at all. Was this past season up to, up to the standard? Absolutely not. The fact of the matter is, Coach Fuente is on a hot seat. Regardless, he is going to be held accountable for the output of both sides of the football. We're going to see what happens. But to say that for five years, the Brad Cornelson experiment has been a failure is quite simply not true. You know, obviously I'm not going to change your opinion. You're not going to change. You're not going to change mine. And that's what makes this interesting. Uh, That's what makes this good uh, is that we can have this conversation. My thing is that I've, I've, I've made my case at first. The coach corn experiment was working because our, it was a complete overhaul of our offense. Now here we are five years later, and we run the same 20 plays every game. If, you, if you're running a, a quarterback on – if you think that on third and 15, a QB power is a good play call, I can't help you. I can, And if you allow that to continue to happen, you're beyond repair, and I cannot help you. I think that it's I, – I think that his offense is broken, and I don't – I don't I'm, – I'm done with Coach Corn. Well, I'm looking at the offense, the broken offense that we're talking about. And in a season where we played three different quarterbacks over the course of the season, we had unbelievably inconsistent play from the wide receiver position all season. And we had one running back that was worth writing home about. I look back at last year at the broken offense where we had a spring, where we had a summer, where we had a quarterback that we replaced middle of the season. From the UNC, from the Miami game on, our offense scored 42, 34, 43, 21, 36, 45, 28, 30, 30. The offense is not broken. The fact of the matter is, we though, had def- we had defensive scores in three of those games. Two of those quarterbacks That's- you're talking about are in the transfer portal now. I agree with that. Development and recruiting does not equal play calling or the offensive system. I've agreed with both of you that recruiting needs to get better. And I understand we're beating this question to death, but the one thing that we can all agree on is we're they, the staff and the athletic department is going to have to live with the results that we're going to see in 2021. Regardless. I, so that's I what it's going to, that's what it's going to come down to. Um, that's true. That's so, true. That's the truth. That was fun. I actually, I actually enjoyed that. That was a nice little, that was a nice little back and forth. I'm going to get shredded on Twitter. You guys are probably going to get a lot of handshakes. So I'm happy for you guys getting the handshakes. Um, Dude, dude. I mean, 
let's just be honest here. Like, yeah, it's closing thought for me on that is that I, I think a lot of those people that I might be shaking hands with here, they watched the Pittsburgh game. And if they weren't already just out on corn before the Pittsburgh game, the Pittsburgh game was kind of just that uh, that mm-hmm. swan dive moment, as Grayson <laughs> would say. Um, both both the Pittsburgh game and then seeing your your two former four-star quarterbacks entered the transfer portal. And, you know, a lot of that might have had to do with the lack of development that they received in their time at Virginia Tech. And they want to go find a place where they might be able to either, one, play more or two, develop more. And I know playing time has a lot to do with that as well. But take it back to square one. Maybe if they were developed differently, they might not be uh, not be leaving and checking out other places. Best of luck to Quincy. Best of luck to Hendon. You guys want us. Uh, some some great games over the last few years the only pushback that i'll that i'll provide to that is and it's not this is not a you thing pat so please don't take this this way i'm sick of people who don't know them or have spoken to them or know what their actual development has looked like telling me or telling everybody else that their development is the reason that they're leaving i'm getting really tired of of hear of hearing that argument not to mention, it's a little bit hard to develop players when you don't have a spring and you don't have a summer. And for the summer practices, the player is out dealing with issues. So that's my problem. Um, and again, another thing that I want to address from a lot that a lot of people say, I may come across this way and it's just my New Jersey, my New Jersey upbringing. I'm not being dismissive. Like I completely understand people being out after losing to Pittsburgh 14 to 47, where our team looked like they quit. I, I like, I'm not telling you, I'm not coming on here telling you, yo, you're completely wrong. Everything's hunky dory. All I'm saying is here's my side. This is where I, this is where I am. You guys are over there. At the end of the day, not you guys is in YouTube, but the people that are anti-foo, anti, anti-corn, you're over there. The middle ground is 2021. And we're going to find out what's going to happen. So, we all want the same thing. You're right. We you're all right. want the same thing. You're right. Um, onward. Onward. <laughs> onward. I do love you guys, man. And I love the guys <laughs> who don't love me as much. I love you guys. Um, signing day. Pat, talk to us about signing day. So we got to move forward here. We just talked about the press conferences. We might be disappointed in some ways here or there. Here's the thing. Complaining is not going to get us anywhere, and we have to realize this is what we have. These are the decisions. Problem that solver, have baby. <laughs> These what are, are we? the We're decisions. solutions people. Solutions, sons of solutions. <laughs> These are. This is what has happened. These are this, the decisions that have been made. This is what we have in front of us. This is how we could potentially get there. Would love to see some plans as well set forth by leadership. But signing day happened. Uh, we welcomed in. Uh, a handful of signees on Wednesday. Seven of them are from Virginia. I guess seven of them seven are hard. I am having a tough time speaking today, fellas. Seven are from Virginia. Only five of them have signed. Two of them are the McDonald twins out of Salem. They are hard commits. Hopefully we'll see them sign here over the next few weeks or on actually uh, the February NSD. For what this class is, I know it, it's not going to pop off the page at you. Um, you know, it's, it's ranked 44th nationally after last year's 76 debacle. Um, and that's good for 10th in the ACC. So that is improvement. That is improvement from 14th last year. And a lot of that has to do with taking a larger class. We had 25 guys sign the LOI. 
Um, but we we got to sit down and talk to a handful of these recruits. Uh, DJ Harvey coming out of California. Grayson Grayson's gotten uh, gotten in and out burger with DJ Harvey, cornerback out of uh, out of Sierra Canyon down there. We got Jack Hollifield and Jalen Stroman coming in. They're both enrolling early. Uh, which is going to be great to get them on campus ASAP because uh, maybe they can be contributors. I feel like Jalen Stroman's definitely going to be an early contributor. Uh, Kenji Christian signed. Billy, talk to me about Kenji Christian. I know you love that guy. So look, Kenji Christian is a guy that transparently, sons of transparency, I thought we had 0% chance of getting that guy to sign uh, from Pinson, Alabama. The one thing that I'll say, and and he's the guy that exemplifies this the most, please, before you get on here and talk to you about composite ratings, go watch the film. I think this guy has serious, serious play very early in his career potential. Um, the, this is a guy that SEC schools loved, uh, came down between us and Ole Miss. LSU f- flirted with him a little while. I know Alabama did a little bit as well. Uh, I think he's an extremely talented young man uh, and I got to tell I, I leapt out of my seat when the Twitter notification came through that he signed because uh, a couple months ago I had all accepted that he was going to sign elsewhere. Um, and I think he has a chance to be a really, really good back for a really long time at Virginia tech. And speaking of good backs, I mean, just last week, Tuesday night, we get the, the notification about Eli Elijah Howard flipping from Tennessee to Virginia tech. And I mean, right before signing day, a little running back flip, uh, committed to an SEC school, um, so that was awesome. Jalen Jones, talented wide receiver out of Richmond. Uh, he went to TJ. Excited to add him to this class. Matthias Carroll came on the podcast. Stretch. I, I will. I will put this. I will put my name on this. Matthias Carroll will be a captain at Virginia Tech uh, before he leaves. He he has he has that leadership uh, factor in him. He also has good film, but he's out of the Gilman School in Baltimore, Maryland. He's a, a defensive end. Uh, Cole Nelson, also a DE out of Georgia. Daywan Lofton out of Texas. This guy, uh, his coach played for Coach Fuente. Um, played with him or played for him at TCU. Um, Daywan's out of Fort Worth. He's an athlete, probably lined up uh, as a wide receiver. Reminds me a lot like Eddie Royal. Got Taj Bullock out of Jersey. Big dude, 6'4", 223. A dual threat quarterback from St. Peter's Prep. And uh, he had a great season. I'm excited to to welcome him into Hokie Nation. I know Coach Corn had some great things to say about Taj. Uh, but just running down this list, Jalen Hoyle, another Jersey guy, Christian Moss, uh, out of Georgia. Uh, Will Johnson is a a, uh, a linebacker slash safety hybrid that a lot of folks are excited about out of Maryland. Uh, we got Bryce Goodner and uh, Danny Jell Militich, who came on the podcast earlier last summer. Uh, two big guards. Bryce is 6'3", 300. Uh, Militich, 6'3", 290 from Germany. And Bryce is from Tennessee. Uh, you you want to talk about personality that are joining the Vice squad. Uh, Bryce Goodner is just one of these, you know, good old country boys, you know, who loves eating chicken wings with his mama. And then uh, Danny Gell's really funny. He's coming over from Germany. Uh, listen to that episode if you haven't. Uh, you know, Malachi Thomas, Chance Black, Kelly Lawson, um, you know, a solid list of, of guys here who are committed to Virginia Tech who signed their letter of intent uh, last week. And Bill, like, a lot of these guys didn't get to play football this fall. And 
you know, the 24 seven scouts weren't able to, to jump on and, and update their rankings and give them a bump because they did not play a fall season. And some of those seasons are going to be in the spring um, where do they get spring bumps? I don't know, but um, for what it's worth, I think this is a a solid class that is just kind of lacking that four star, uh, you know, four star flashy um, type that everyone's eyes drawn to. And I know DJ Harvey's at the top of that, but what were your thoughts? Yeah, I I think this, I'm going to preface this to avoid sons of shreddery for the second time in this podcast, but recruiting has not been up to par. Obviously last year was not great. The numbers have not been great. I'm just asking you for this year, please, please. It's my one ask for Christmas. Don't judge this class by its numbers. Go watch the film of these players. I think a lot of these guys 24 seven was left to say, we're going to be reactionary. We're going to see who's offering these kids and that's going to play into their composite ranking because we haven't seen them play. And we have, and you can't really blame them for that. Uh, stars do matter. Uh, rankings do matter. Maybe not as much as some people think, maybe more than some people think, but the fact of the matter is they weren't able to be graded effectively. And in this recruiting cycle, say what you want about our coaching staff. They have done a really good job identifying talent at young ages. Look at Caleb Farley. You look at divine Diablo. You look at Christian Derisaw. We've done a good job finding players that may have not been recognized early and developed them into good players, or they their work has gotten them to become future NFL picks. Caleb Can Farley is go- sure. Go ahead, zag it. Is there a coach? Is there a Power Five coaching staff in America that isn't able to look at a two star or a three star and turn them into a first rounder or a second rounder? I know that. I know that's. I know that's great that we can do that, but I think every single staff in the ACC can take a Greg Dorch who we didn't even recruit and make them, you know, an NFL draft pick. I think I can't speak to what other, what other teams do. And I, I do appreciate the zag, but, but what I'm speaking, what I'm saying is I think it's pretty universally understood that Virginia tech before coach Fuente got here. And after coach Fuente got here, we have done a really good job and had a really good knack of bringing players in like that we have a really good chance to have two guys um, be drafted in the first round this year and Christian Derrissaw and Caleb Farley. Caleb Farley is hundred percent going to be a first round draft pick barring something ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Caleb yep. Farley came in and he's a wide receiver. Uh, Christian Derrissaw came in and he was what, like the 3000th ranked player, 1300th ranked player, something ridiculous. Um, so I really trust our recruiting departments and our coaches coaching departments ability to evaluate uh talent and all i ask you go watch keely lawson's film go look at his frame go watch kenji christian go watch dj harvey um i'm really fired up about the guys that we brought in um so that's kind of my take on this class and again it was a blast to get to talk to them we're bringing in some really you said already some really high character kids that i think have really good leadership qualities want to be at virginia tech for the right reasons everybody talked about how there was this massive wave of decommitments coming didn't happen they seem to be very committed to virginia tech i believe the only ones that we lost is we lost asbury and we lost boone on signing day um but these kids have been committed to virginia tech for a long time seem to be very close i'm excited to get these kids in the doors and working out with coach hillgard so the good news is that we have 10 guys enrolling early in January. They can get to campus. I said Jack Hollifield and Jalen Stroman earlier. Jalen Jones is going to be enrolling early. Jalen Hoyle, Jared Gibble, 
uh, Nike Johnson, Isi Atute from uh, the 757, Donny assuming he can make it over. It's actually Daniel, but I like I like saying Donny Gell. He can make uh, assuming he can make it over from Germany, uh, like Wilfried Payne did. Uh, Deshaun Elder and then uh, walk on Will Jones, who is out of the IMG Academy in Florida, actually from Stewart's Draft, Virginia, uh, will also be enrolling early. So we got a Will Jones and a Will Johnson from this class. But uh, the issue here, none of these guys are on the defensive line. And the fun defensive line, we'll get into this in a bit. That is definitely a, a glaring position group that is going to need some significant attention here in this offseason. Uh, with the transfer portal. Uh, but yeah, overall, just a, a general theme from this class. Recruiting Virginia is something that we're going to need to do moving forward. Jump on the phone, get in the car, drive on down to Richmond and Virginia Beach and, you know, shake some hands and, and meet some of these folks on the coaching staffs around there because there's a ton of talent leaving the state or going to uh, University of Virginia. Uh, that being said, Bryce Carter, Logan Taylor, those are two guys who are going to UVA. Bryce, a defensive tackle from Colonial Heights, and then Logan Taylor is a uh, massive offensive tackle, 6'8", 290 uh, from Alexandria. He's the number 25 offensive tackle uh, in the country, and he's also going to UVA. And then the Pittsburgh Panthers just completely invaded the 757 Hampton Roads area this past year. Pat Narduzzi jumped in and he said, I know we have the best defensive line or a top five defensive line in the country. We're going to just continue doing that. And they added, they added uh, their top four, their top four uh, recruits for the cycle were uh, two defensive ends and two defensive tackles. One of them being Aaron Donald's nephew, Elliot Donald, uh, top rated guy in their class. And then, Naquan Brown was their second highest rated guy uh, outside of uh, or in their class who is from Ocean Lakes. We all know about Naquan Brown. We were high on his list. He was high on our list. He, were, he committed to LSU, decommitted, and then flipped over to Pittsburgh. And say what you want about Naquan Brown, but you know, to uh, to the outsider looking in, they see the uh, his rating next to his name. See, he's a four star recruit, and see he's going to Pittsburgh to join a a. Uh, a coaching staff that is very good at evaluating and developing defensive line talent. Um, and then three more guys from Virginia, Rodney Hammond from Booker T Washington uh, going to Pittsburgh as an athlete, Malik Newton as a running back from Lake Taylor in Norfolk and miles Alston as well from ocean Lake. So miles Alston and Naquan Brown, both joining uh, the Pittsburgh 2021 class from ocean lakes high school in Virginia beach. So bottom line, we got to jump into Virginia. There's a lot of talent and uh, we got a lot of folks on our staff who are talented and can start, start those relationships or keep them going with the, uh, with the existing ones like the Highland Springs um, Jabari Parker uh, preferred walk on. So Grayson, I know you had some, some closing thoughts here on signing Diane on this class. Uh, Yeah. I mean, what else is new? The rich got richer Alabama signing, Six five-star players. Can you imagine, guys? Clemson signed 14 four-stars and two five-stars. Ohio State signed five five-star kids and 13 four-stars. And Notre Dame signed 12 four-stars. Recruiting is important, y'all. And a lot of the top players in the Commonwealth are going to those schools. That makes my blood boil. That is a problem. We need them in Blacksburg. Another thing, a little quick mini rant. 
uh, Bill said it earlier, stars matter. If you think they don't, you're out of your mind. Plain and simple, to the people who are like, oh, I'd rather get kids with heart. Yeah, I want kids with heart, but I want the best. I want the best. And that's not to downplay our, our class. I think there's so much talent in this recruiting class. But, you know, you, get, you look at guys like Trevor Lawrence, composite rating of a .999. He plays like it, has played like it from the second he put on that uniform at Clemson. Pat, what is the name of the last five-star offensive player who committed to Virginia Tech? Oh, man, it was like in 2006. Tyrod. Yeah, Tyrod Taylor. Guess what he did? Tyrod started as a true freshman and won three ACC championships in four years. He had four 10-win seasons in his four years. He had us competing at the highest level, and he's almost now a 10-year NFL veteran. So don't tell me that stars don't matter, and don't tell me that recruiting doesn't matter. Spare me the banality. We got to be better on the recruiting trail. We got to get those relationships back with the high schools like Highland Springs that gave us guys like Macho Harris. It's important. So start making those phone calls, coaching staff. Let's get those relationships established, revitalize, rekindle the fire. It's time. All right, everybody. Uh, we're going to move on to letters from the lunch pail, which is brought to you by Uscape. And I got to say, I did just get a Uscape delivery for the fam. I uh, got a nice sweatshirt for Jackson. Got a nice crew neck for mom. They're downstairs. But look, Uscape, they just get it. Little cartoony. You got the you got the skyline. I went with a different skyline this time. I had the academic buildings before. I went with the athletic buildings now. Um, you know, got the groovy sweatshirt, kind of a 1980s Scooby Dooby Doo. Where are you feel? Um, so check them out. Code Sons of Sat for your discount upon purchase. Uh, just in time for the holidays, if not for the holidays, next year, whatever you're looking to do, check them out. Uscape, absolutely love the Uscape. I like the groovy sweatshirt a lot. The groovy sweatshirt is great. I did cop the groovy sweatshirt, um, but uh, yeah, super excited about that. They have a t-shirt too. Also, make sure you use the drop down and check out the different the different colors. They do have different colors. I thought that we only had specific colors. First question from the lunch pail. Considering the roster turnover, will next year be a rebuild? Next season, what will be considered a success for Fuente to keep his job? Seems like the AD will stick with him from at T00SM. Um, man, I mean, Mr. Babcock said in his press conference that he doesn't really put a win-loss deal on it. I don't really know. I have a problem doing future cast after this year. Um, after the year we've just been through, I have a problem kind of future casting. Next year certainly needs to be better by a large margin. I'll leave the win-loss record to you guys. Grayson, go ahead. Yeah, for me, I think this is going to be a, a, a pretty significant rebuild. You need confidence and consistency in the quarterback room to have a successful season and to have a successful program. And, you know, this year we played four quarterbacks, whether it was injuries or out for COVID or what have you. And we're going to have to hit the portal and, you know, find some depth in the quarterback room because we never know, you know, who's going to be starting or, you know, who might get banged up. Um, in addition to that, Grayson, you just talked about this defensive backs and defensive line, two extremely significant positions uh especially you know with with a defensive staff that is still kind of getting their feet under them they need some of that veteran leadership and uh we were able to maximize and and use the portal last year for some defensive players and we've seen you know our best defensive player amari barno is from the transfer portal so uh let's not sleep on that 
I do think we're going to find some some hidden gems from the transfer portal, but I know it's going to be a challenge, and I know it, it is essentially right now. It's a rebuild. Right now, it's definitely a rebuild. I don't know about you know September first when we get there. As far as a success for Coach Fu to keep his job, you know, I think just looking at it from where we are right now, I think eight wins has got to be the minimum. You you got to go out there and win eight ball games and anything less than eight wins we're going to be in very similar conversations that we were than we were having you know a year, a, a week ago um because people want success after six years you know you should either you should be you should really have an idea of where you are as far as a level of success and where you need to be so uh, i would say i would set eight wins as you know you're kind of safe but even even after eight wins after eight and four there will be some folks who are very upset with that just because of their expectations. But, um, you know, things have changed with this program and things have changed in college football too. Next question comes from Al Jones. True thoughts on choosing to end the country's longest 27 year bowl streak when six other ACC teams are playing in a bowl. Um, I broke this down with Dwight Vick. Um, I definitely have a lot of respect for the bowl game streak. Uh, and everything that it meant uh, and means now. But I have a lot of respect for these players, and I think we 100% made the right right move, allowing them to determine what they wanted to do. Um, These kids have sacrificed a lot. Um, You know, I, I, if that's their decision, I'm completely comfortable with it um, because I can't imagine going through what they went through this fall. Um, so I'm glad that they're able to reunite with their families, um, and spend the holidays at home. Uh, would love to hear y'all's takes though. Go ahead, Grayson. Dude, I, I'm straight up, man. I'm with you. Like as a, as a man who lives far away from home at this time of year, dude, especially with all that's going on right now, all I wanted to do was come home. That's, that's what I wanted for Christmas. And so if the team voted to not play in the bowl game, then ultimately that's their decision. And obviously you're going to have some guys, maybe some of the seniors who who obviously voted to play in the bowl game. But now I think it's now that the bowl streak is over, and that's not to say I don't respect it and what people have done. It's a page, it's it's a page one read right now. You know, you can't sell it in it. You you can't sell it anymore, which I'm kind of glad about. Uh other other programs, all the blue bloods, they sell championships. We sell a bowl streak enough. Let's move on and start selling ACC championships. Let's get back there. That's what I want to sell. I uh, I agree with you there, Grayson. You know, winning six games gets you to a bowl. So essentially being average gets you to a bowl game. And I get it. It, it is, it's a pride thing. And it, I think it's more so, you know, with former players than anyone. And I totally understand that. Um, but at the same time, it's like, you know, why don't we just rip the bandaid off here? Um, they didn't even win six games this year. Uh, so technically they didn't even earn a bowl game in my book. They didn't win six games. They didn't go 500, but, um, just with bowl games being so diluted by the college football playoff and it being a money grab because there's like 55 different bowl games, bowl games are not exciting anymore regardless. And until they fix the playoff again in some way, shape or form, um, I'm not even excited for bowl season this year. All I know is that uh, the Peach Bowl is Cincinnati and Georgia. I think that's it. I That's all I know about this bowl season coming up. I really don't even value bowl games that much anymore as a fan, which is kind of sad. 
Next question from Bonge. Who has the most to gain from a full offseason with my man, Ben Hilgart? We have a lot of underdeveloped DBs that were punching out of their weight class this year, literally. I appreciate this question. And before I answer it, I want to take a parting shot at the peanut gallery uh, who has a problem with some people were out here talking about how our strength and conditioning program is not doing a good job based upon like the weight of players when they came in this spring versus when they were playing this year. Newsflash, there was a bit of a pandemic this year. Uh, we were unable to do any offseason weightlifting. Some of the players did indeed get sick and did indeed lose a whole bunch of weight. So that's a pretty ridiculous thing that people are out here trying to talk about how we're not developing players because there was no offseason workout. And that is part of my answer. I'm going to go with Keyshawn King. Keyshawn King was a guy that I was very excited about coming into this season. I do think that the time spent at home, not in the dining halls, not in the weight room, uh, affected him. Uh, he's a, obviously a really talented kid. He was great two years ago. I think with a full year, hopefully, fingers crossed, praying to God that we do get it of development, spring, summer, fall, uh, Keyshawn King will bounce back and play a big role next year. Um, so that's my answer. I, I love that. I love that answer, Bill, because I'm right there with you. I, after the season that that man had last last year, uh, he is a talented, talented running back. Uh, honestly, my uh, my thought process here is Amari Barno. You build him up even more. And he can he can be even more lethal and more dangerous. You put some more muscle on him, uh, and then just the the defensive line as a collective, just jack them up as much as you possibly can uh, with the guys that you currently have, uh, and make them dangerous, make them mean. I know how much muscle Coach Hilgart put on uh, Jared Hewitt. You saw the pictures and everything, and and that made night and day difference. I mean, Jared Hewitt's been a phenom, especially this season. So. Uh, bulk up the defensive line as much as you can. The Crab says, when is a realistic expectation in your eyes for us to be back competing for ACC championships? Assuming that the ACC reverts back to Atlantic and Coastal Division, which we haven't heard anything about yet, but I kind of did enjoy the 10 conference games this year. Assuming that happens, we have the Coastal back like it was, I mean, quite frankly, 2021. Uh, at, at least competing for a Coastal championship. The Coastal division, is it is it is super attainable to win a Coastal division championship. And you should, that be should all, competing that should be for the it. Expe- that should be the expectation every single year, even if, uh, you know, even if every single quarterback in our – in our quarterback room left the program just because of how down the coastal is every single year. And I know that North Carolina is the elephant in the room, the gorilla in the room. Um, but at the same, at the same point, they have not proved, uh, prov- they have not proved to be an elite program yet. And Virginia tech should be able to compete in the coastal uh, and, and get back to Charlotte at some point. And uh, you know, it should start in 2021. It has to start in 2021. Uh, I'd be damned if it doesn't start in 2021. Uh, it's It's got to be tomorrow. you got to start putting that work in, getting ready, making phone calls, getting recruiting fired back up, even though National Signing Day was this past week. 
it's it's time to to be on it in every single facet imaginable. We got to be there. We got to be ready to go. Uh, we we have to compete, not just next season, but in hopefully in workouts, in in spring training, in spring practice, all across the board. The standard has to be raised. You have a clean slate now without that bull streak in your rearview mirror. It's it is time to look forward to the future and 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 get this thing back to where it once was and take it even higher this time. Our last segment before Sharky shoutouts is a rhythm by roots segment. Uh, shout out to roots. The best there is started in <coughs> Charlottesville, <coughs> started in Charlottesville. We had Chris long, come on, talk about how much he loves roots. They're in Blacksburg. Now download the app discount code sons of sat. You can go ahead and get a discount off of your bowl. 20%. If you want the application, um, love roots. I, I've, I've, I've uh, indulged multiple times. Love me some roots, but the, the, here's the way we'll do it. I just want to go back and forth. Let's just have a roundtable discussion of some of the Christmas music that we love. Uh, Christmas is here uh, right around the corner. Friday, by the way, for those of you who may have not done your shopping, test, test, test. Um, let's talk about Saturday.com and you escape apparel. <laughs> that is true. Uh, I'm going to go out uh, on a limb here and I'm going to take it before Pat does because I know he's going to take it. Um, Bruce Springsteen, Santa Claus is coming to town is an absolute banger. Santa Claus was on the fire truck in the front yard or in the street yesterday, uh, waving to everybody. I did run back outside. I'm not too old for that. Uh, but that is my first pick. You know, he recorded that song when he was, or I guess he, yeah, he recorded that song live when he was 26 years old. It was live. Wasn't it? Is it? Yeah, it yeah, yeah, it was live. It was live. You want to know 26? I'm 26. I haven't done anything. Look at this guy. We record a hit podcast podcast every week. What are you talking about? Come on, man. You have fun (laughs) facts, fun facts about that song. Bruce Springsteen has come out and said that it could be the middle of July and people hold up signs in the crowd that say, play Santa Claus is coming to town, which, which I think is the greatest thing ever. I think that's awesome that that song transcends the seasons. It's like, hey, <laughs> it's pool season. I'm wearing a tank top, but crank up. Santa Claus is coming to town. Here for it. Here for I it. I love it. Next, what do we got? Honestly, you know, I'm I've been playing. I uh, I've been playing a lot of Frank. I'm a big Frank Sinatra guy, and just. Jingle bells, but I love those J I N G L E And he's 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 the uh, Hoboken Jersey boy. So Dude, shout yeah, out, all, all, shout all, out, always repping uh, New Jersey uh, with Frank Sinatra. Man, I just think any Chris Mistletoe and Holly, he absolutely crushes. Uh, Santa Claus is coming to town when that when that plays in the Polar Express there at the end. Oh. Tugging on the heartstrings, uh, anything that he sings for the holidays is on the playlist on repeat all holiday season long. I gotta say, um, little drummer boy, a classic. <laughs> Carol, Carol of the Bells is a classic. Christmas, oh. baby, come home. Um, most wonderful time of the year, obviously. Uh, walking in a winter wonderland. I, I, you know, reels are this thing on Instagram now. 
it's like the TikTok for Instagram. And I'm mm-hmm. going skiing and going skiing in Breckenridge in, uh, in in Colorado in January. So I'm following all these skiing accounts, and they're all posting all these reels. And it's uh, walking in a winter wonderland, and it's like just forests. It's like enchanted forests of powder surrounding, just with that song on in the background. I'm just like it's like Narnia, man. Um, do they know it's Christmas? It's an, it's another one. Uh, what's the uh, the is it Wings or Paul McCartney? Uh, wonderful Christmas time. Dun, oh, it's Paul McCartney. Dun, simply having. Uh, I saw. I saw. I saw for Christmas time. I saw a funny tweet about that song, and it literally was like Paul McCartney when recording "Having a Wonderful Christmas Time." Do you want to use every every key on the synthesizer? And he just said yes. <laughs> I got wait. I, I gotta. We're not giving any love. Michael Bublé. Oh. I know it's mainstream, but I can listen to that on shuffle all day long. Um, Justin Bieber, Slayer, Mariah Carey. All I want for Christmas is you. Ooh. You play that. Overplayed. Overplayed. Get, disagree get here. Disagree. Both of you don't like that song. No, no. I'm saying I'm disagreeing with Patrick. Okay. Like, Come on, dude. I had, I, had, I, had, I had to bring some hot takes. Alexa, play the hot hits. takes. Dude, <laughs> what are what are you talking about? I love Felice Navidad. I know, yes. like that's kind of off the res. But always, Felicidad. I I don't know it that well, but I really do enjoy listening to it. Um, Rocking man, around I mean, the Christmas tree. It's a classic. Oh. The scene, the scene in Home Alone where uh, where Marvin Harry are out in their van and they Michael see Jordan. The massive, they see the massive party going on at McAllister way, Michael Jordan running around on the uh, train, on the, on the train track, rocking, rocking around the Christmas trees playing. I mean, I mean, what, what the hell we're here. Can we just do some Christmas movies real quick before we go? I know, I know Grayson, you got dinner coming up. Christmas movies. Um, I, I haven't top seen three, top three, Billy Ray hit that. Well, you're gonna have to give me a second. I can't go yet. Uh, right. I, 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 no, I'll go off the easy. Um, I'll go, I'll go home alone is in my top three. What is the animated Rudolph, the, animated Rudolph, the Rudolph red, the red, red cause we always, as a fan, we always used to get together and watch that. Sure. Um, man, I felt for Rudolph. Um, and then I'm going to go with, I love elf, man. Elf is just, elf Classic. is, I don't even like calling elf a Christmas movie. Cause I will l- like, like Bruce, I'll listen. I'll watch that in July. Um, yeah. but I, I love elf. That's my top. <laughs> that's my off the heezy top three. Pat, Pat, off the off the heezy top three. Home Alone, Elf, and uh, and the Grinch uh, cartoon. You Dude, know, you are classic. the world's largest advocate for the Grinch, uh, the Grinch animated Grinch. I'm also the biggest anti Jim Carrey Grinch. I watched I, it I'm one time. That. I said I'm never watching that again. That Can was we just, also and, say and people, look, people stand for it? We love. I hate to do this. We love Mark and we love Alex. On the recruiting staff, I'm sorry, your Christmas <laughs> lists were absolutely abhorrent. Not only were the lists, not only were the lists abhorrent, but you were arguing about them, and they were both equally very, very poor. <laughs> um, so I'm gonna, we love you. You're doing good work. I'm just going to say that. that the reason they were abhorrent is because you're so focused on bringing in a killer 2022 class. But the list needs some work. Grayson. I'm going to. I'm going to go. Dude, Home Alone and Home Alone 2 are on the same playing field. Like, Lost in New York is underrated, and it's just yep. as good as the first one. When I said Home Alone, I meant both. Both. All right. As, as a collective, sure. Mm-hmm. Homes, with, alone. Uh, homes Alone. Ooh, homes Alone. Good hit. Good hit. Homes Alone. 
Duplex I'm, alone. <laughs> Home Alone, one and two is up there. Elf is great. And then I'll probably say Polex, Polar Express. I love that movie. Always have ever since I was a little kid. And this year, Mama Jill wants to watch It's a Wonderful Life. I've never seen it, and it will probably jump into my top three. I've heard it is a phenomenal. That's not a movie. That's a film because it was made back like back in the 50s. You so. not seeing that movie? is the most shocking thing of 2020. It's of terrible. 2020. It's I awful. can't believe you haven't seen that. I need to watch it. Anyway, wrapping this bad boy up with a bow or bad lady up with a bow. That was weird. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on. Wrapping it up in a bow. Sharky shout outs. Um, shout out. Listen to how good of a friend my brother is. My brother spent $70 to get on a spirit airline flight to go watch his buddy play in a bowl game in Boone, North Carolina and drive back with him. So he doesn't have to drive back by himself. That guy is Oot Prosim. That guy is awesome. Shout out to him. Shout out to Jackson safe flight. You know, how spirit goes glad that worked out. Was he the pilot too, Bill? Cause I know that. I, I don't know choose. what they, I don't know what they asked him to do. Um, but he showed up with a backpack. He goes, they said, I can't bring a backpack, but they're going to have to figure it out. So I, <laughs> I hope his backpack got on the flight, um, but that's that's what he did. Uh, Pat, you got any shout outs? And shout out to Coach Brooks. I know we already said it. Happy birthday, bro. Uh, I hung out with the Mitchell men yesterday in Bergen <laughs> County, and that was interesting. Uh, no, it was a ton of fun. Lots of debates, lots of SEC football viewing. Uh, we watched the Notre Dame game, the the ACC championship. We watched the, the SEC championship as well and uh, had a ton of fun up there. But uh, yeah, just a, a closing thought on everything going on right now uh, within Virginia Tech athletics. Y- you can sit around and complain or you can just try to really be a solutions-oriented person and think of you know what needs to happen for us to get to that next level. Um, complaining will only get you so far and will only just pull down others to complain with you, which ultimately is just more negativity and uh we've been through too much in 2020 to to get on the negativity train um i'm not happy with a lot of things of how things have gone this year in virginia tech athletics um or mainly football but uh i am you know going to i'm going to ride with this team and i'm going to support them because i don't have anything else to do <laughs> and and i love these guys come on um Pat, but yeah that. seriously you know, seriously, you can, you can complain or you can, you can, you can ask for more or make suggestions rather than just complain and com- complain and complain. Um, and so which, like which route are you going to end? Yeah. This which route are you going like to choose? Never going to end. And, um, to be fair, I was going to ask this when we were talking about the whole press conference thing. What day is it? Today's Sunday, Jul- December 20th. July. And it felt like, <laughs> it felt like the world was ending and you know what? Everything's okay. We're going to be all right. We're onward, as Pat likes to say. Grayson, take us home. Taking us home. Speaking of home, I was going to shout out Old Dominion. Shout out Virginia. It's good to be home. Uh, I'm so happy to be here with my family, man. I'm about to go eat a family dinner. Uh, so, And then shout out to you guys. Got, and and shout, out to, uh, shout out to the Hokies. I'll always, always love Virginia Tech, man, no matter what. That will never, ever, ever change. With that being said, that's all we got for this week, y'all. Have a happy holidays. Merry Christmas. Happy Kwanzaa. Happy Hanukkah. Whatever it is you celebrate. And uh, we'll see y'all next week. Take care and peace. Ryu.